last weekend on the Saturday, and I honestly didn't feel anything. But I also didn't feel anything after the first one. But glad to know uh, you're getting vaccinated. Hopefully you get well. Uh, and as for me, I'm another Wednesday uh, approaching my last ever last day of semester. And then uh, we'll be on to finals and then graduation. Excited to be here. Yeah, I got my first. I got my second dose yesterday. A um, little bit of a sore arm, but otherwise not too bad. Nice, nice. So I guess we got to start it off with the draft. Uh, it's on Thursday. You know, everyone's excited, but we had our own uh, WRSU mock draft last night, which the uh, the board operator of this show actually ended up winning with Dylan Allen. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Big shout out to the newbies. Uh, Jared Bladice was also involved in the team, although he could not make it to the draft. Uh, he was working behind the scenes to help us with our picks. Love to see the general managers getting involved. Um, yeah, uh, Kaor, you and Raj uh, placed third. Uh, how do you, how do you think the, do you think the judges were fair in their assessment of uh, of your draft? Listen, uh. See, this is like one of those times where I hate to say it, but it was all about fun, right? Um, and uh, I, I would say going into it, me and Raj had uh, somewhat of an inclination based on the judges that were there because we're, you know, we've had a uh, friendship with them that started, at least for me last year and for Raj for the last five or six years. So uh, we had an inclination that we weren't going to win when we went into it. But listen, it was a blast. Um and as uh, Dylan mentioned it, you know, the newbies, which was uh, the team name for Giddy and Dylan Allen and uh, Alec. Uh, sorry, it was Giddy, Dylan Allen, and Jared. And no, no, I was going to say not Alex. <laughs> yeah. Now, Alex was on uh, – uh, we're not going to mention that team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, they, they, uh, they traded away the entire history of the Atlanta Falcons for to yes. get Micah Parsons at nine. Yeah. Uh, which again, that's just one of the shocking incidents or transactions that occurred during the draft by that team. Um, but again, overall, it was I think it was a blast. First year for you guys. Um, how did you guys take away with it? I don't know if you've done this kind of stuff in the past or uh, it was something new. But listen, to me at least, and I'm sure the judges could probably agree if we had them on live. You guys seemed pretty comfortable in there, and, and it looked like you guys uh, enjoyed yourselves too throughout the night. Yeah, I never yeah, done. Was, uh... I never done a mock oh, draft ahead, before. Are you good, Dylan? Um, I never done a mock draft before uh, like this. I've done plenty of fantasy football drafts and read over plenty of you know professionals' mock drafts, but it was definitely cool to put yourself in like different teams' minds. You know, because usually for a fantasy draft, you're the GM of your own team, so you're really just thinking about yourself. Right. But what's cool last night was thinking about like, you know, you had your own team to worry about. Obviously, you know. You had your own, whether it was the newbies or the BBs, the Harveys, whoever it was, you know, you had that in mind. But you also had to put yourself in different GMs' minds. And, you know, after every pick, you had to kind of put yourself in a whole different world, which was, it was hard to kind of transition into that, but it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I got to say, uh, it was definitely, you know, very exciting stuff. Um, I enjoyed, you know, getting to draft. I thought I was doing, I thought we were doing a really good job. I think taking Coromo at 24 was probably what yep. uh, that was probably the turning point unfortunately. I thought I thought he slipped and I thought it was a great value pick but the judges did not fair. I I, I think understand if you, why. If you look at I, I want to talk about that pick and I think there's been a lot of buzz going around um draft week as well regarding that pick, right? So with the 24th pick is where um uh, sack of potatoes, which was Sacco, Troy, uh, Dylan McCoy, and Muffin. Uh, they were on a team, and, and they had selected Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Koromoa. Yeah, Koromoa. Um, they had elected for him to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers with the 24th pick, and many uh, critics are saying that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be the first team to pick a running back at that spot with the likes of most likely either Najee Harris or Travis Etienne going there. Um, 
and honestly, after James Conner had departed that team, and uh, now there is basically a, a position in need, I think that's a great culture under Mike Tomlin, and especially a veteran quarterback with the likes of Ben Roethlisberger for a young running back to essentially establish his game. And it, I get why you went to, to um, you know, that defensive need and get Owusu Koromoa, um, but it's... I think the more I think about it, the more likely it is that the Steelers are going to pick a running back at that spot. I want I want to get your guys' uh, decision on it. Obviously, Dylan, um, you know, you disagreed. At least your team disagreed. Hopefully, that was a collaborative pick. But what do you think? What, what do it you was think collaborative. Gonna happen? I, yeah. I spearheaded it. Uh, they're going to take a running back. Uh, they're going to. I Before the pick... I thought they were going to take Najee Harris in the actual NFL draft. When I made the pick, I still think they're going to take Najee Harris in the actual NFL draft. I just offer value. A lot of players were sliding, and I think we thought we were in a good situation. We got Rashawn Slater at 13 um, for the uh, the uh, Chargers. We took Fields at 3, which I think is the obvious pick, even though they're going to take Mac Jones. Uh, but... Then we then we had the Dolphins and we got Jamar Chase and Darisaw from Virginia Tech, and I don't know. I thought one good value pick would would uh would seal the W, but ultimately it was uh the the, the downfall you could say. Also, apparently the trade didn't make sense that we made, even though uh the Broncos just traded for a quarterback. Although, I mean. Not Matt You're Ryan. asking Teddy Bridgewater. Exactly. <laughs> Not, I, I think the way somebody put it was you were trading, uh, uh, you were getting Micah Parsons for trading away two Hall of Famers. And to me, for a guy who hasn't played a snap in the NFL yet, I don't think I would do that if I was ever in a GM room. That was, that was like, that was almost as one sided as like, the actual Herschel Walker trade where they got an entire year of draft picks, basically. Ridiculous. I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what does happen in Pittsburgh, you know, when it comes to running backs. Is I was surprised that, you know, someone like Najee Harris, I mean, obviously Travis Etienne is probably a top pick in the second round, but I was just kind of waiting for someone to take Najee Harris last night. Uh, no one did, and I was hoping maybe someone from the Steelers did. It never really came up between me and Dylan for any of our teams, but I was wondering if you guys were had any inclinations at taking Najee Harris in any of your picks. Well, we we were thinking about taking him at 24. Uh, originally, that was the pick, but I don't know. Uh, maybe an all-time draft blunder, like taking Ryan Leaf at 2 or Jamarcus Russell at 1. Maybe, but I don't know. So... Raj and I had the Jacksonville Jaggers with the 25th pick, and we heavily discussed it as well. And we were going to go, even if Najee Harris was picked, this is prior to uh, having Trevon uh, Merrig uh, still available at 25, which I think was probably one of the best picks, although the judges disagreed. Uh, I think if the Jacksonville Jaguars are um, able to get him in the draft, that's going to be a fantastic pick, and they can get the same style of play that they had when Jalen Ramsey was there uh, and they had a star on the defense, but that could be another discussion for another time as well. But we did, you know, we had the idea that the Steelers, which was Dylan's team, they would have taken him, uh, taken Najee Harris at 24, which would have, uh, you know, given us the opportunity to pair Trevor Lawrence up with Travis Etienne in Jacksonville, um, which on paper you would think is a night, uh, a nightmare for, you know, any, veteran team or, or uh, competitive team in the NFL to look at because you have two college stars who played for the last four years together now coming in and having the same chemistry on the same team in the NFL. Uh, but by the end of it, I think we, we still went with Trevan Merrig uh, to Jacksonville just because, again, he's a stellar safety that I don't think uh, people many people are, are batting an eye on. They're, they're kind of just... Uh, he, he's flying under the radar, and if people are gonna, or if teams are taking the risk on him, uh, they're getting criticized. So we'll see. But uh, I, I did see critics say that uh, with the thirty-third pick, I believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars have, they might take Etienne, 
what do you guys think about that? Do you think there's a possibility that Trevor Lawrence gets paired up with his college running back in the NFL under Urban Meyer? I definitely think so. Um, you know, they have the pick. I don't think anyone takes ETM before 33. I don't really see why anyone would, assuming that the Steelers don't change their minds. Um, but yeah, I think that that's good for, you know, I mean, you're getting a rookie quarterback. He's in unfamiliar situations, you know, a little familiarity with the guy in the backfield is definitely helpful. So I, I definitely could think, I definitely think that could happen. And I'm kind of starting to think it will happen. Yeah, Dylan, I agree with you on the familiarity, especially because that's just, you know, going to be the story of the Jaguars is really starting from the bottom and really there, you know, there's nowhere further for them to go down. They could only go up from here. So, you know, giving Trevor Lawrence, someone who he's familiar with is interesting, you know, but had it, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the NFL draft and obviously it's pretty clear that Trevor Lawrence is going to go first, regardless of who the Jaguars take later in the draft, he's going to have, he's going to have James Robinson behind him and James Robinson you know, had a, had a good year last year um, relative to the rest of the Jaguars. So, you know, they're going to have two young running backs. You know, Robinson was obviously in his rookie year last year. I, you know, I don't see... It's hard for me to think about Harris and Robinson splitting snaps. Uh, I kind of think Robinson maybe will get them earlier in the season as they kind of work Harris into it. Uh, and by season's end, Najee Harris will be taking a majority of the snaps just because Robinson is familiar to the rest of the Jacksonville team. But if they could somehow figure out a balance between James Robinson and Najee Harris with Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball, I mean, that could be that'd be interesting to see. And, and you know, Trevor Lawrence has DJ Chark. Um, he's got guys to throw to. He has Marvin Jones. So he has options when it comes to throwing downfield. But I'm really excited to see what Jacksonville ends up doing with their offense. You know, I'm interested to see who they take, and I'm interested to see how that plays out over the whole season. Yeah, I think um, one of the things that I kind of thought about was uh, whoever, you know, I would say Jacksonville gets after Trevor Lawrence, which is most likely, you know, I would say a hundred or a thousand percent lock to go first overall. The offense is essentially going to be built around him um, because one, he's your franchise quarterback. I think he has the biggest impact to make Jacksonville win games, which we had seen, you know, be the quarterback for the last couple of years with Gardner Minshew, um, you know, with, with Jacksonville as well. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how much of a say he has uh, or how much of an impact he has, you know, let's say in next year's draft or the, year, or the draft after, are they going to, is Trevor Lawrence going to get the Aaron Rodgers treatment where uh, he's never going to get an offensive weapon in the first round? Or uh, is it going to be more, um, you know, cater to his playing style and give him pieces that can see him excel. Um, and I also wanted to run through, speaking of Aaron Rodgers, I wanted to run through some of the uh, rumors that I had seen, um, you know, pop up throughout today. Uh, I, I actually had uh, a, a notification that said that um, the Packers are targeting, I believe it was, let me see. Julio Jones, maybe? No, no, no. They were they were trying Ooh. to. They had ties to one of the wide receivers. I, why do I keep forgetting? It was was it on here somewhere? Was it Rashad Tyrus? Bateman? Oh, it was Rashad Bateman. Interesting. What did the pack? The Packers are back in the twenties, right? Yeah, they are currently sitting at twenty nine. Um, I mean, we took Terrace Marshall, um, because we had taken. We had taken uh, Bateman earlier with a different pick. But I think Packers going wide receiver makes the most sense for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that also, you know, gives comfort to Rodgers, who's, like somebody said, on the last, I would say, um, you know, couple years in his career, most likely. Obviously, he's not on his last leg yet because we did see him play a phenomenal season last year, but... Yeah, uh, what well, the original report I basically had that said Packers have done unquote a lot of research on Rashad Bateman. So who knows? Maybe they might even try to trade up, which uh, wouldn't surprise me. Um, Why is every story this year that teams are doing so much research? Like, 
Shouldn't you be yeah. doing so much research anyway? Like you're a scouting department. Like of course you should. I be. think. I think it's more interesting to see that these rumors are getting leaked out. If you think about it, like all this should be technically confidential now. Yeah, we should. We probably shouldn't know who the first pick is, but like, well, yeah. we shouldn't know who the first two picks are. But we probably do. Like, look at these rumors. Okay, I'm gonna run through some of them, and then we can uh, we can stop. This would be like a little rapid fire draft rumors type of segment. Uh, yesterday at 4 p.m., we had reports that Pittsburgh had Florida QB higher on the draft board than one of the top five ranked QB prospects, and this was Florida QB Kyle Trask. Um, what? And we, yeah. What? They had they had no. Kyle Trask ranked higher than the fifth quarterback, which I would say is probably. I could have had those numbers thrown to Kyle Pitts. Come on, Max Jones. Come so some he's above Trey Lance or Max Jones on the Steelers' board. I would I would be incredibly surprised if he was above Trey Lance. Well, Mac I mean, Jones being above Mac be... Jones, that's like being the tallest kindergartner. Like, Whoa. is that really saying anything about your ability to play wow. in the NFL? Hello. You know, at this point, I hope he goes to the the Patriots so, just so Saka can uh, regret he said that. Sir. Oh. That's Bill Belichick hijacking the airwaves, making sure that no what Patriots slander gets said. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Another. Uh, Can't stand that another- franchise. I'm going to run through some other uh, rumors. Uh, we had a report say that the Dolphins favored Bama wide receiver Jalen Waddell over LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase with their first pick in the draft. I respect that. Jalen Waddell's awesome. He is going to change whatever offense he gets into. Hopefully, it'll be an offense in East Rutherford. I'm, I'm, ah, oh, it's, he's the pick I wanted at 11. The team that had him at eleven in our mock draft took him, and I was so happy. And I just, I just want Jalen Waddle to be a New York Giant so badly. I agree. Yeah, Dylan, I'm absolutely with you on that. Think about that offense. I keep, I just keep envisioning like how elite of an offense the Giants have now, even though like they're all young. We have Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay. Kyle Rudolph, who's probably, I would say, one of the most underrated veterans in the game right now. Um, Daniel Jones. Evan Ingram. Uh, yep. In- don't don't talk about Ingram, okay? In my book, he's <laughs> leaving next year. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and you add another. You you add one of the, if not the best, wide receiver prospect in this draft. That'd be kind of fire. Yeah. Definitely would be. Uh. I think a lot of the other NFC teams are going to go defense, and that's probably a good decision because it's going to and be a of, top division uh, next year. Speaking of uh, Jamar Chase, we had another report come out ten twenty one a.m. this morning by ESPN say that the uh, say that the Detroit Lions pursued a trade for the number fourth overall pick to draft Jamar Chase, but the Falcons' price was too high. I mean. Yeah. Is wide receiver really their biggest need, like to the point where they would trade up for one? They need to fix their salary cap is their biggest need. <laughs> like when I'm getting notifications about how bad their salary cap is, like that's a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just financial mismanagement. Mismanagement is like a big Atlanta Falcons thing, I'm pretty sure. It pretty much always has been. It's true. Why they have no super. <laughs> um, and then another story that I've been kind of following closely, you know, prior to draft week as well was uh, Caleb Farley. Um, he's a cornerback, one of the highest rated cornerbacks, I would say, in the draft. But there were reports that he may fall out of the ra- or the first round because of his multiple back surgeries, um, which would be kind of uh, tragic considering that many of those players, you know, getting selected have had injuries themselves as well but he's kind of getting you know i would say blacklisted on some draft boards but at the same time we've had reports saying that um the saints might trade up to take farley in the draft um 
and then today or yeah today morning at 8 17 we had that caleb fairly won't attend the nfl draft because he tested positive for covid19 uh and it's just like good bad good bad Ooh. i hope Ooh. it ends good for this guy but it's looking like a roller coaster already yeah that's rough i um uh, i feel bad for him You'd love to attend the NFL draft if you could, you know. It's kind of the crowning achievement of his career so far. And, yeah. But I don't think he's going to fall out of the first round. I think too many teams need defense. Uh, I think he might fall into, the, like, the 20s. But I think Caleb Farrelly is going to get first-round money. So I think he'll be okay. Yeah, hopefully. Um, And then the last thing I kind of wanted to discuss was the Denver Broncos. Uh, Dylan, I know you mentioned it a little earlier in the show that um the Denver Broncos had traded for Teddy Bridgewater, correct? Oh no. Yes, Teddy Bridgewater they had traded for. Yeah, and... they traded for Teddy. I think they gave up like a six round pick. Something yeah, it was like a six rounder in the in the upcoming draft. Yep. Was that and... the only uh pick they gave up in that? Yeah, I think it was just one for one. Yep. Yeah. Oh. And then so so the newest report that has came out is that they have received significant interest in the ninth overall pick. So the question I have for you guys is who do you see moving up to that ninth? In my eyes, it's probably the uh probably the New England Patriots, but it could technically be anybody. Will someone move up to the number nine pick and also get Drew Locke? Will will Denver just abandon Drew Locke? It would be very interesting to see. I mean, not here's the here's the issue with Denver is they're pretty hot. They're like in a weird spot because they have a high draft pick, but most of the time in this day and age, when you trade up, it's for a quarterback. And I don't know if the quarter if the quarterback prospects that are that will be available at nine are worth the pick or worth trading up for the pick. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's that's a tricky aspect of this. So, I don't know. Maybe the Patriots. Maybe. I don't know. It doesn't seem like a Belichick thing to do. I mean, it seems like if you trade up to nine, you're basically saying, I'm trading up for Mac Jones. Because he's the only one that's probably going to be available at nine. The, the yeah, four of them well, are probably going to be taken in the first five picks. In the first four picks. Well, unless unless Justin Fields somehow falls off the earth and like gets taken like sixteenth or something, but I don't see that. I don't know why teams would pass on him. Did you guys see that mock draft? I want to say it was from Mel Kiper where he had he had Justin Fields going in like the second half of the first round, like pretty low down. I don't remember the exact number. I could try to pull it up now, but you know I think a lot of quarterbacks. Right after the college football season ended, I think everyone was pretty high um, on Trevor Lawrence, obviously, and then Justin Fields going right after him. And I think, you know, guys like Zach Wilson have kind of replaced the Justin Fields hype, which I think is fair and is is, is totally legitimate and I think would be a you know, would be an excellent pick for the Jets if they took Zach Wilson. But I think people are abandoning the Justin Fields train a little too quickly. He's still a talented quarterback. He's still first half of the first round type talent you know he's gonna he's gonna change the offense whatever team he goes to he posted unreal stats at Ohio State you know playing against competitive teams so you know I just can't see Justin Fields dropping that far down in the draft I could see him slipping a little bit uh, but not too far from maybe top 10 I think Justin Fields is being so disrespected right now it's not even I mean this is a guy who is in my opinion the second best quarterback in the draft this is a guy that if he falls, you know, past like the fourth pick, like some people are saying, we're going to be looking back in 10 years and saying, how in the world did Justin Fields fall that far? Like, it, it's just going to look so bad in hindsight. This is a guy who, and I said it on the mock draft last night, guy who can, um, you know, throw the football deep and accurately. He can go through his reads. He's a 4-4, uh, 40-yard dash runner. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, can do everything you need to do to have a, a, a good quarterback. And I don't know why he's, moving down the draft boards as much as he is. 
Yeah, no, Chris, I'm absolutely with you on that one. You know, there are a lot of quarterbacks that are going to go high in the first round, but Justin Fields is still, he was he was amazing at, at Ohio State. He posted unreal numbers, and, you know, I'm with you that he's getting disrespected, and I think, you know, regardless of where he goes, he's going to make an impact from day one. You know, some quarterback desperate team is going to take him, and he has starting potential. You know, he led Ohio State, you know, deep into last season. So, you know, I'm with you, Chris, that he's getting way too much disrespect right now. He, you know... He's a talented quarterback, but there's there's a ton of talented quarterbacks. But I think Justin Fields still sticks out. Although, I'm kind of interested to see Chris. But you do you think the Jets are going to go with Zach Wilson at number two, or would you see them taking Fields? I mean, if I were them, I would take Fields. I think you know it's tough because all of the noise is around them taking Zach Wilson, all of it. But Joe Douglas is not the kind of guy to really show his hand. Um, so I, I'm not convinced that that's actually the pick. I mean, may, I mean, more likely than not it is, but I'm not convinced it's the done deal that everyone else thinks it is. I think, you know, it, it's going to come down to Wilson or, or Fields. Uh, I personally would take Fields over Wilson, but you know, I won't be mad at them if they take Wilson, if that makes sense. Kyle Pitts at two. Kyle Pitts at two. Kyle Pitts at two. That's the pick I want to see. I I was actually um, diving into the reason why Justin Fields is falling. I don't know if anybody else has kind of uh, dove into it at all, but um, it came out recently that his epilepsy, which is a, a medical condition that um, you know I would say many people commonly deal with, uh, but that was made public right prior to the draft. And I think ever since that news, his stock has basically been falling, um, which I think is kind of um, unfair, knowing that the guy has, again, played his entire life with the same condition. Now he's played football with it. And now that he finally has a shot at it, why does it get to, you know, first of all, it shouldn't leak out to everybody in the world to kind of know about it. And two, it shouldn't impact his athletic ability that he brings on the field it's he's able to still you know i would say manage with it obviously there might be some issues but that's also you know all if ands and buts but that comes with the nfl regardless i don't think this is the right way to treat him and i think you guys put it the right way in saying that he got disrespected but i kind of want to get your guys' opinion on that do you think that you know some teams will kind of overlook that part or or Will all teams kind of look too deep into it, which I think is already going on right now? I don't really think teams need to look that deep into it. This is something that, you know, a quarterback who has played his entire life with this, you know, disability, and it clearly hasn't affected him. He took his team to the national championships last year. He played for one of the best college football programs in history. Like, I mean, I don't, you know, I think this is another part of his disrespect that, he doesn't, you know, just because I don't know how the news was leaked. I don't know if he did it or if it came out from somewhere else, but he's clearly, you know, handling whatever effects he may have from epilepsy. He's clearly handling it well because he led Ohio State to the national championships last year. They lost a single game and it happened to be their last game. So, you know, I just don't think that it's right for someone, you know, to, to, to you know, if he falls because of talent, that's a different thing. But this is something that he's kind of had under control. And you look at a guy like Jameis Winston, who had corrective eye surgery a couple of years ago. And, you know, he's a quarterback. The most important thing that he could do is, is you know, make sure he, he sees the guys in the right spot. So, you know, he was still, you know, he was never cut when it was announced that he was getting, you know, corrective eye surgery. So I think Justin Fields should be treated the same way, where if he's going to fall because of skill or because he won't mesh with an offensive system, you know, that's strategic and that, that makes total sense. But if, you know, people are hesitant to take him, because of this disability that he's kind of had under control, I kind of just don't see the logic in that. Yeah, I definitely have to agree with you, Gideon. Um, I think you put it very well. But I'm definitely. I also one other thing about Fields that kind of bothers me is the fact that people have spread this absurd talking point that he's not competitive. You know, I think you guys all know what I'm talking about, where they said, oh, he's the last one in, first one out, all that. The guy literally isolated himself in an apartment for a year 
to play during a pandemic. He led the charge for the let us play movement when he could have just as easily, you know, taken the year off and just gotten ready for the draft. And no one would have blamed him for doing that. Did they not um, watch the Clemson And not game? to mention like... the fact that. <sighs> what? I, I said, did they not watch the Clemson game? Like, I don't understand. You could say he's non-competitive when he has, you know, an all-time college playoff effort against a team. Yes. That Clemson team was better than that Ohio State team, in my personal opinion. And Justin Fields willed them to that victory. That was the game that turned me. That was the game where I said he should be a top three pick in this draft. I think the Niners are ridiculous if they don't take him. I, d- I don't understand why he's falling. I, I never understand. If he is gonna, if he is on the board at number four, I am going to be tweeting in all caps, and I'm going to just be in full meltdown mode. Like I think the I think I think the Falcons. It's so disrespectful. The Niners, I think it's the Falcons. I really do think he's going in the top four. I I I mean I hope so. You know, in in my opinion, he shouldn't go at the top two. But you know, that's my uh, green colored glasses. uh, uh, You know, painting a a rosy picture instead. But you know, I I I I just I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's so irrational that. He's Chris, fallen it's this Kyle much. Pitts at I, two I just and Kellen Mond at twenty three. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Give Kellen Mond the best weapon in the draft. Oh my god! That if if we didn't have Joe Douglas as our GM, I would honestly be afraid of that. I mean, I still am kind of afraid. <laughs> like I, I, there's going to be a lot of nerves incredible. in my body this time, or not this time, later tomorrow night. When I say the New York Jets select, I'm like, please don't say Mac Jones. Please don't say Mac Jones. Chris, I know it's not a rational fear, to, but. Chris, what I'm going to say to you is this seems to be a turning point where all the teams that are historically bad in New York are doing like good. The Mets yes. are good. The Knicks are good. The Knicks are going to make the playoffs like they're being well run. The Jets are being well run. You guys signed free agents like Corey Davis. You got rid of Darnold, which was huge. You're got a, a second rounder for Sam Darnold. That, that's that's big. I thought they should have got it late first, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, no. But Well, they also got the fourth and the sixth, too, so keep that in mind. It's true. But I I, I genuinely think that this is But no, I get what you're saying I think though, it's Dylan. Time to be like, excited. Not and we haven't even talked about our uh championship uh bound uh Brooklyn Nets. That's right. That's I mean, that's right. the ultimate turnaround. Already that's the, the ultimate uh, turnaround. Yeah, literally one of the worst teams in NBA history 10 years ago. And now... They Five years it. ago. Remember well, when mean, we had... It... Um, what's his face? Our, our like top two uh, scorers were Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young. Of course. Of course I remember those times. I I love Thaddeus Young. That one like graphic that's like super detailed that has him in it with like Michael Jordan and Larry Bird. It's one of the best sports images ever. Yeah, no, no, I'm not I'm not hating on Thaddeus Young, but if he's like you're in the conversation for your best player, like you're not winning a lot of games it's in the bad. NBA. If Brooke Lopez is your top that was my scorer, point. like it's bad. Uh, you know what? One of the most telling. It's like kind of a random fact, but it kind of tells you about the state of where the Nets were at one point. Do you know who the last uh, player to score a basket as a New Jersey net was? Is it Anthony Morrow? Johan Petro. It... <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I like kind of remember him. That's that's hilarious, though. He was our backup center for like two years. I don't think that's he made hilarious. it to Brooklyn. I think we cut him. I'm like, surprised it wasn't like you and, and that game ended a 98-67 loss to an eight-seeded Sixers team. Oh, that, that's where the Nets were at one point. Can you imagine if a team scored 67 in today's NBA? They'd shoot like two of 30 from three. Well, this it was, was right before be the Splash Brothers. This was like right before the Splash Brothers came on the scene. This is when the mid-range jumper was alive and well. Oh, the Kobe era. Oh, beautiful. It was a different time. In my opinion, the NBA was better back then, but, you know, that's just me. I mm, Not not for a Nets fan, just speaking in I, general. I'm more I'm more into the league now, so I can't like objectively say, but I've been very much like enjoying like even the regular season has had a lot of just moments that have been very enjoyable. So I 
I appreciate the league. I like the league. But I yeah. no, no, I'm not hating the league. Like, sometimes it's a. Sometimes it's like, all right, the regular season doesn't matter. Like, let's just get to the playoffs, which yeah. is like not good. Your regular season should matter, but yeah. But I, I was gonna say, I, I kind of feel a little bit differently about. Like, I don't get me wrong. I like the NBA now. I'm a big guy. I'm a big fan of balanced basketball. Like, I feel like the NBA today is two, three, and D. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's gotten too much to be like, you know, that's you either take a three. That's our entire team. Well, our team you dunk. is just the three. No, it's I know. Like I know. D, but... but we're built to win in today's NBA. Like, it's a necessity. I'm just talking about yeah, the absolutely. trend as a whole. You know, I, I kind of like, if I, if you gave me a random, like, playoff game from last year, or a random playoff game from 2010, like, in terms of style of play, I would take the 2010 one. That's just that's just my view of what I prefer in basketball. It's probably the reason why I love college basketball so much. But you know, that doesn't mean that um, you know, I don't like the NBA now. It's just It's different. I'm not crazy it's about different. the style play today. That's all. You enjoy like a heavy passing game with like a lot of post play and like you know, I I totally get it. Like I also agree that that is an aesthetically pleasing style of basketball. But to me, someone like Steph Curry is, like, even more aesthetically pleasing. Just, And maybe that's, like, the outlier because he's literally the best shooter ever. But I don't know. I think I think three-pointers are exciting. I mean, I, I like iso ball, even though it's kind of, like, bad offense. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. I think, I think basketball, basketball, you know, Especially, like, we've seen, like, the moves that the com- the commissioners of basketball are always the most well-liked. And I think that just speaks to their, uh, like, their adaptivity and their ability to change. So, the NBA is constantly changing, you know. In five years, it might not be 3 and D, you know. If, if the Sixers win a championship with Ben Simmons and Embiid, then it's going to be pass-first point guards and <laughs> big men in the post again. So... It's all about adaptation. Yeah, I mean, I'm not pulling. I'm not pulling for the Sixers, but like, I I, I prefer that Ooh. style of play. That's just me. But, um, yeah, that that's that's kind of my take on the whole thing. But with that, we're gonna take a quick break. But don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org for more from your Wednesday crew. Welcome back to the Wednesday Crew. Myself, Gideon Fox, along with Dylan McCoy, K.R. Polan, and Chris Sakonis, bringing you our favorite degenerate segment of the night, our favorite locks of the week. So, do you guys have any locks ready to go? I'm ready to go. Always ready. Always ready on the air. Of WRSU on the crew. WRSU. Um. Okay, so my lock is going to be I, you know, I just spent uh, time in the first segment big-upping the teams who are traditionally bad in New York. Um, and I'm going to take one of those teams tonight, the Knicks. are matching up with the Bulls. They're minus four. Uh, the Knicks are the fourth-best team in the Eastern Conference. And the Bulls are most certainly not. So I think that line is a little disrespectful. I don't really uh, understand. I don't know if there's an injury or something. If there is, then maybe that's a bad beat. But... You know, at face value, uh, Knicks minus four should be a pretty solid bet tonight. Uh, and maybe Randall for double double, a triple double, maybe. Could could happen. Could happen. Not a lock, but could happen. A potential lock of the night. Indeed. I'm going to give mine. Um, Jacob deGrom is on the mound for the Mets. Uh, That game has already started. They're in the top of the first right now. 
But the Mets came into that at minus 270. I'm going to take them on that. You know, score still 0-0. That game, just two outs into the first inning. But Jacob deGrom, you know, Chris, I, I feel like you could agree with this one. He's been absolutely on fire recently. Every performance on the mound, he's produced something else. So, you know, with Jacob deGrom on the mound, it's pretty easy to take the Mets against the Red Sox. And always feels good to put money against the Red Sox. Jacob what, what does he have produce, this year? But the offense behind him just will not produce for some reason. Like, hit for your best pitcher. Hit for the best pitcher in baseball. It's a strange idea, yeah. but it might work. Like, it might just it might just work. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Jacob DeGrom is what? Like a .3 ERA right now? Granted, it's only been a few games, but so far this year, he's just been like a cheat code. Yeah, Chris. 0.31 ERA over 29 innings pitched with 50 strikeouts. So, you know, you know he's only he's only two and one. Oh, like you said, season just getting started. But having a 0.31 ERA is just yeah, you know, that's something else. He's about to win another one. He's about to win another Cy Young. Ridiculous. I, I'm not even like shocked anymore though. Like he he is just the best pitcher in baseball, and there's no real question about it. Yeah, so for my lock of the week, um, I'm going with a three-person parlay for the top three picks where basically, you know, I'll just go one, two, and three. So trying to see what I get here. I'm trying to get it to parlay. Hang on. Oh, it's not letting me. I mean, it's probably oh, well, not going to anyway. let you because the first um, pick is minus like 6,000. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's more than that. Trevor Lawrence, according to uh, DraftKings, is at minus 10,000. Uh, so here, be. here's what I've got. If you combine three odds, you get you get one that's like decent. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, first overall. Zach Wilson, second overall. Justin Fields, third overall. Uh, you combine that, you get plus 512. So really? go with that. I am very so surprised it's that high. That's that's interesting. Well, here's the thing: all of the value for that is from Justin Fields plus five hundred. Yeah, no, like you're that's right. where it's all coming <laughs> from. <laughs> you literally get plus twelve from the other two picks. That's hilarious. You know, on uh, yeah. on Fanduel they have exact orders, um, and if you add Kyle Pitts onto that. Chris, you'll get him at plus eight hundred. Really? So Kyle Pitts. Take them up on that offer. Trevor Lawrence, yeah, Zach is, Wilson, uh... Justin Fields, and Kyle Pitts. The one that has the lowest odds um, it was Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and Kyle Pitts at minus one thirty-five. Ew! Who takes Mac Jones third overall? Ugh. That's the odds on favorite right now on uh, I, I on know it is. And I know, and Mac I know Jones. they're probably going to take him and I just don't get it. Like, am I have as, uh, as Will Ferrell, you're not missing anything. Said, have I, as Will Ferrell once famously said, have I been taking crazy pills? Like I, I don't, I don't understand. I also, uh, will stick to the draft. Um, and I, it's it's uh, a little weird because uh, you know there's obviously a lot that can go with the draft, but I like to see. Um, I guess I'll just put my uh, overall perspective into it, but I I do think um, that some players will fall, uh, and or some players might get picked before others, and I have, um. You know, one that basically puts people against. They're called match bets on FanDuel, basically. Uh, and I have, I would say, two that I'm kind of interested in. Um, one of them is Trey Lance versus Justin Fields. Uh, currently, the odds of uh, so it's basically first to be drafted between the two players. Trey Lance is at minus one forty four, and then Justin Fields is at plus plus one fourteen. Uh, I would take Justin Fields on that one. And the other one I had on my list was um, 
who's going to get selected. Is it going to be Jamar Chase first or Penny Sewell first? Uh, and that's minus 215 for Jamar Chase and then plus 164 for Penny Sewell. Uh, and I think Penny Sewell goes probably before Jamar Chase, especially knowing that there might be some teams targeting other wide receivers before Jamar Chase as well. You can probably get both of those at plus money right now. Well, you can uh, at FanDuel. I don't even know if you can combine them. Yeah, you can't combine them, so you'd have to do two separate ones. But, yep, those are my locks of the weeks. I like how we uh went away from locks of the nights to locks of the weeks, huh? What? It's locks of the week again? That's oh, nice. I still don't know why we ever called it locks of the week. It's a nightly show, like. I I, I just for me I probably shouldn't you know, get upset about that, but it bothers me. I I just for me like three nights a week I was like this is my lock of the week this is my lock of the week and then it would literally be two nights in a row like given a lock of the week I was like no 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 it's just a lock for the night because I just pick a, I just I'm not gonna go in the future like I'm just picking the, tonight's games so I don't know I. I mean, at least, like, the theme song isn't, like, this is the locks of the week on WRSU, because that would be, like, then we would just never be able to change it. Yeah, well, that's, um, maybe it, maybe that's the solution. Maybe I just redo it. I just put a liner in there with, like, Pav or someone saying, this is locks of the night on WR or, you know, something like that. Oh, Chris, I'll do that Kind of like you. a WFAN style <laughs> thing. But. No charge, no charge, no charge. I'll do that for you. You owe him. All right, all right. The reason why I said Pav was because I want the voice to be someone that's not going to talk right after it. Like it'd be weird if you, like, say you were hosting the crew one night and you introduced yourself. That's why I had Shmi do it for the mock draft. <laughs> yeah, that's that that that's fair. Actually, I didn't think. About I don't that. know. Maybe I'm overthinking it. No, 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 no. That's that's a good point. That would be very awkward. Uh, hilarious, in my opinion, but also probably pretty awkward. <laughs> that will wrap up our locks of any given time segment for the night. But don't go anywhere. Sports update coming up next. Keep it locked to WRSU FMU Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Flying. Here is your first WRSU sports update. The Rutgers men's lacrosse team will travel to Penn State to begin their Big Ten tournament, either against Penn State or Johns Hopkins. Coverage of that match will start at 7.30 p.m. May 6th here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. The Knights have finished their regular season with a record of 8-2 and two and look to put a statement on that Big Ten tournament. The MLB continues as the Yankees travel to Baltimore to take on the Orioles. We have Domingo Herman scoring off against Dean Kramer as the first pitch is set for 7.05 p.m. The Mets host the Boston Red Sox as the red-hot Jacob deGrom steps up on the mound. The Mets are looking to split the two-game series before heading to Philadelphia this weekend to take on the Phillies. Last night, the uh, Brooklyn Nets defeated the Toronto Raptors with a score of 116-103. to Jeff Green led the victory with a score uh, with a total points of 22, followed by Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant dropping 17 points each. The Nets look to continue as they face off against the Pacers tomorrow night at 7 p.m. And after snapping their nine-game win streak against the Phoenix Suns, the New York Knicks will look to get another win as they host the Chicago Bulls. Tip-off for that game is slated for 7.30 p.m. tonight. Keep it locked as the crew continues here on WRSU FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Welcome back to the final couple minutes of the first hour on the Wednesday crew. Kara Palan, Dylan McCoy, Chris Sakonis, and myself, Gideon Fox, back in New Brunswick. And we kind of started the show with this, talking about 
how some of us have just gotten our second doses of the vaccine. The weather's heating up. It's, you know, everything's looking up right now. But, you know, Kaor, Dylan, I know you guys mentioned you just got your second doses. Chris, I imagine you're getting yours soon. So I already got mine. Actually, I reached that coveted two week mark two days ago. So now I'm like, I'm in the clear. So, where so you going, I started doing normal things again. I went to a restaurant a few days ago, went to the gym on Monday. And, you know, it feels good to actually be doing normal stuff. How was the gym? How was how was the first time back? First time back to to what the gym? Yeah, how was your first workout back? Oh, I mean the work. I mean, you know, I was keeping it light because I hadn't been there in like six months. But I currently can't move my arm past a forty five degree angle. If that answers your question. Oh, oh, what are you worried? Yeah, don't worry. I'll get back there. I'm not worried. <laughs> No, absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you don't got you don't got the DOMS. Do you know what that is? What? The DOMS? It's delayed onset muscle soreness. Happens when you oh DOMS. Yeah. That's what I'm going through right now. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah. No, I know about things. that. I've, I've I've experienced it a couple Beautiful. times. Because I I've had to deal with some injuries and you know I had to take off from lifting when they uh when they closed the gyms for six months so. I'm very familiar with DOMS. It's not yeah, fun. But yeah, that's. Uh, I think I had it like a couple months ago, which is uh, again a talk for another time. But as for the vaccines, as as uh, I mentioned in I guess the top of the show, I had gotten mine on Saturday, so um, I have basically two more weeks, which will be uh, this week. Or yeah, it'll be the ninth is when I'll be basically able to do stuff. But I would say it's probably, um, you know, I feel safer. I would say going out in public. Uh, for me, at least, next week I have uh, a wedding for one of my relatives. Um, and Indian weddings are basically like a bunch of different uh, events over a couple of days. So having, I'm sure those are going to be like semi. Uh, I would say medium-sized gathering, so you know, at least knowing that I have the vaccine will probably make me feel a lot safer. Uh, and uh, I, um, you know, I also did this year or yeah, this semester, I did a research study um, about basically digging into different conspiracy theories or groups or uh, you know individuals who are anti-vaccine and kind of seeing what type of disinformation is out there. So it's kind of cool to see the types of mentality that's out there because I still have lifelong friends who, again, I've known ever since I was little and they're not getting the vaccine because of an array of reasons. But in my mind, it's like you're, for one, you're hurting yourself, but also those around you. Like they're also the same people, same people who want everything to go back to normal, but won't get the vaccine because they think it's rushed or, you know, they don't have any enough research and it's, um, you know, I have an array of reasons, but I don't know. That's uh, that's my biggest issue about vaccines. I don't know about you guys. What did you guys have to say about that? That drives me yeah. nuts. Yeah, all the disinformation, like, oh, they're going to track us. Like, they're putting 5G in our arm. Like, Donald Trump won the election. Like, there's just so much misinformation about this <laughs> vax going on. You know, it all is related somehow. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Dude, you have no idea the types of stuff I've seen, and I would be—I would go on like, like basically 4chan or other, um, you know. I would That's say your Darknet first mistake. Or, That's yeah. your first mistake. Is <laughs> being no, because we had to do that, right? We wanted to know because that's oh, okay, where everybody okay, okay. goes. Like once they get so first, we went to Twitter, right? But once everybody gets kicked off of Twitter, they go to all these different websites or forums, and we even Did went you have to, to the go dark on, like, parlor. Yeah, we went on Parler, we went on 4chan, and then we went on the Darknet. God bless. And then we saw, we we went on the Darknet and saw similar forums there. And there is, like, some stuff that makes you, like, stop going on, like, social media or just stop and take a break from from everything you're doing for, like, a good 30 30 minutes to an hour because you're like, what did I just read? Well, Karen, my favorite is when people go on Twitter and tweet about how the vaccine is going to, you know, they're going to track you, but... They're tweeting all, yeah. and it's just Twitter for iPhone on the bottom. You're like, yeah. well, 
I guess the ship has kind of sailed on them tracking you. You know, you, you spend a couple hundred dollars to have that. I mean, they're tracking you. They're they're tracking you. You got a cell phone or not? Sorry, that's just how it is. I I also particularly hate it when like influ otherwise influential people, um, you know, spread garbage that has no basis in scientific reality like yes what joe rogan said on his podcast like i think oh, it was two days ago was out. like oh yeah if you're a young person you shouldn't get a vaccine and i'm like why wouldn't you get a vaccine like you literally get a shot and then you don't have to worry about getting covid come like, on joe I, I, like just be the ufc guy please like can you stop being so controversial like i just want to like you like come on you, you mean you don't go to the Joe Rogan experience for two hours of introspective talk uh, five days oh, a week? I can't watch it. I can't Where sit Where he slowly it. but surely just gets the more only, The only more ones I can watch like for two hours are the MMA show because he'll just start talking about some nonsense to people, especially when he has like conservative people on or like extremists. Like people, people get mad because he gives them a platform. It's not that he gives them a platform. He like buys in. Like, to everything people says. Yep. He, like, takes everything at, like, face value. Like, it's kind of bad. Yeah, well, I think... Here's the thing. If, if Joe Rogan were smart, he'd stick to, like, having, like, comedians and people like that on his show. Because when he has those kinds of people, I've seen some clips of it, like, the show is fine. It's when he gets into this political or fringe stuff that he really sorts, sort of goes off the rails. And it's like, I just... I, I can't... I can't... There's a reason why people say listening to that podcast is a personality trait. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. And this I like that. That makes sense. That makes a best. lot of sense. I was going to say every other podcast is unwatchable. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad, really, because I mean, when it comes to MMA analysts, correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan, but like he's he he's one of the premier guys. No, I mean he's good. He makes mistakes. He he's not like. Like, they they have guys now, like, they have Daniel Cormier, who does, like, like his role sometimes. And, like, if you're going to have anyone analyze a fight, like, a guy who was the heavyweight champion is probably a good person to have it. But Joe Rogan has been, like, with the UFC since the beginning. So, like, yeah, yeah. for a while, like, and I still think now, like, when people think of the UFC, he's one of the first things they think of is, like, him commentating the events. I was him and Dana White. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, he basically spearheaded it with uh, Dana White. But I think uh, you guys are right. Look, even though he has all that experience, I would say, again, I would consider him basically managing side by side with Dana White. When you look at his podcast, it's a completely like different personality. Um, and I, I don't know about you guys, but for him, as Chris mentioned, you know, he specifically told if it's anybody, I think he said 21 or older, or 21 or younger, if they came up to him and asked him if they would get the vaccine, he would tell them no. Meanwhile, we have other countries, such as Stupid. India, um, basically millions of people getting coronavirus or dying because they don't have access to the vaccine. They, I don't think people realize that when vaccines don't get used, like we essentially throw them away. Well, yeah, because once they take them out of the the uh, deep freezer, like doesn't have like what is it a six hour shelf life? Yeah, or something like yeah. that. It basically, it's it not expires long. by the yeah end of the day. It expires. You can't give it wow. out anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, but even if like, but here's what drives me nuts about it, because like, even if say you know, you are not personally concerned that you will get like seriously sick if you contract COVID, and you know, I'll be honest, I'm. Even at the height of the wave, I was not worried about myself. I was worried about getting other people sick. Um, like, if nothing else, like, don't you want to just be able to, oh, you just take this shot and then you can do whatever you want and you don't have to worry about getting anyone sick and you don't have to worry about getting yourself sick and things will go back to normal if enough of you do it. Like, I just, I don't understand hurt. the thought process. The shot doesn't even hurt. It's harmless. And the shot's more effective than like any flu shot. The flu shots rarely get up to like eighty percent effective. These shots are with are in no. the nineties. Like flu shots, like forty percent effective. Yeah, exactly. And, and people I, get those year after year. So like, yes. You know, I, I get my flu shot every year. Um, but you know, I just you know, there's so many so many pros to getting the vaccine that like mm -hmm. they outweigh the one or two cons there actually are. 
I'll gladly take my arm being sore for a day. And the 800 cons that there apparently are that have never been proven. Yeah, and will never be proven because those are because ridiculous. they're not they're not real. Yeah, like, Speak, they're literally not I, I was real. gonna say, speaking of like the effectiveness, like you have one like you're essentially at almost 100 percent, right? I think they're at like 95 or 96 percent right now with the vaccines that are being delivered. Like, what are they waiting on? Like an, a patch update or like another DLC to drop where it brings it to 99 percent, and then they're gonna be like, oh, okay, it's safe enough for me to get it now. It's such a bad faith argument. Like, there are some people that are legitimately on the fence, but I think a lot of those people have been won over at this point because you'd have to be living on an actual ro- under an actual rock to not know someone who has gotten the vaccine at this point. Like, I think I just saw on my phone like 20 minutes ago that New Jersey is now like over 50% of the population has at least one shot. So, well, like... Isn't it like every adult you know, now... I don't know in the country, but I know every adult in New Jersey can schedule a vaccination whenever they want now. Yep, 16 or up. Mm-hmm. So, And that was way ahead of Biden's May know, 1st man. deadline, which is obviously you know exciting to see that everything is moving ahead of schedule. But with that, that's going to take us to the end of hour one of the Wednesday crew. But don't go anywhere. We still have another hour of the show coming right at you, so keep it locked to WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org.